Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. There's a voice in my head that drives my heel. With your host, Clayton Caldwell. My baby calling till I need you here. And John Harlow. And it's a half past four and I'm shifting gear. Hello everybody, welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with John Harlow tonight. Breaking down the Bass Pro Shops NRA Night Race from the Bristol Motor Speedway and ended up with Kurt Busch in victory lane, his 30th career victory, first of the year, amid rumors that Kurt is leaving at the end of the year to go to Chip Ganassi Racing. We'll discuss that. A great, great race, I thought, at Bristol Motor Speedway. Chase Elliott had a good day. He finished third. Not your typical Kyle Busch night at Bristol Motor Speedway. Usually goes out and dominates. Spun on lap one, then had an incident involving Martin Truex Jr. and had another incident blowing our, our tire. We'll discuss that as well. Uh, also, spun and wrecked in a NASCAR Xfinity Series race. They're getting into marbles. He was dominating, had a huge lead, lapped up to 11th before wrecking there. We'll discuss the Xfinity Series race. And the trucks ended their regular season at Bristol Motor Speedway. Johnny Sauter ended up in victory lane. We'll talk about that and preview the playoffs going to Canada this week to start their playoffs. 917-889-2820 to join the show here tonight on Talking in Circles at any time here tonight on Talking in Circles. 8280 here, 917-889-8280, Talking Circles. Clayton Cole, John Harlow here with you tonight. First John was the Bass Pro Shops NRA night race at Bristol Motor Speedway. Kurt Busch was your winner. Uh, a solid top five all day long. Got some track position at the end. Pulled away. In the final 24 laps, held off Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott. Kurt Busch goes to victory lane amid rumors that he is going, leaving Stuart Haas Racing at the end of the year. He's in victory lane, gets some momentum built as that team gets ready for the playoffs here in 2018. One of the things that um, you and I were talking about before the show is just think Kurt Busch twice has now inherited Danica Patrick's crew and equipment. And he's won with both of them. I mean, Tony Gibson, that team, won with Kurt Busch. And now Billy Scott got his first win as a crew chief with Kurt Busch last night. Does that say how bad Danica was? That's just pretty impressive what Kurt Busch can do. Um, I think it was a good race for Kurt Busch. He was caught up in the early early melee with Kyle. I mean, he was in the accordion and got his hood knocked up. Great job by the crew to keep him on the lead lap with all the damage that they had to get the hood banged down. Um, used the bare bond and the tape to get it going. And they kept themselves in contention all night. They worked their way back up from that early accident and they ran well. I still think to me, I think the best car on the track all night long was Kevin Harvick. And Kevin Harvick got where he thought he had a loose wheel and he had to come in under green out of second place, lost two laps and could never get back on the lead lap. And yeah, I think that's part of the reason. He just ran a great race. I mean, he was the fastest car on the track most of the night and just couldn't get back on the lead lap. I mean, his car was, was on rail. Uh, Clint Boyer had a great car. It was a great night for Stuart Haas Racing. Eric Almirola was running great until he had his issue where he was leaking something and uh, got black flagged. Um all four Stuart Haas cars ran well. Um, Joey Logano had his moments of grandeur up there. Um, they would they would have a great short run car, but then as the long run the run went longer, 
Uh, Logano would drift back, but he wound up saving a fourth-place finish out of it. So it was a great night for the Fords. Um, the one who impressed me most out of it all was, um, believe it or not, Kyle Larson, because if you listen to him, he was junk. He said we were probably a 12th to 5th place car, 15th place car. But the thing was, and this is a matter of everything at Bristol, and we're going to sooner or later have a hell of a pileup at the end of the pit road. Kyle Larson somehow wound up on the outside row every time they restarted and would get positioned right off the start. And he said we were a 12th to 5th place, 15th place car. We were not good from lap one to lap 500 but we fought and got a second-place finish out of it. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with that. I think it was a uh, – ultimately, I think that's what cost Chase Elliott the race. I thought Chase Elliott had the track position. He did everything right to win that race at Bristol Motor Speedway last night. Uh, I thought he had the fastest car at the end of that race. He was even chasing down Kyle Larson at the end. He just got on the bottom. Uh, Clint Borders tires on the final restart, and it really hurt that bottom lane. hurt Blaney and Boyer. Uh, Chase Elliott was included, and that was able to work his way up to the third position, but was never able to chase down a leader. So I think that ultimately cost Chase Elliott the race. A lot of chatter about that. Denny Hamlin tweeted something about how the bottom lane is such a, a uh, disadvantage at Bristol Motor Speedway, and he's right. You know, when you look, when you think about it, and you know, it makes you wonder if they should put the sticky stuff on the entire bottom lane at Bristol, just including you know the front stretch, because the restarts are so are so bad there on the bottom. Um, you know, but ultimately I thought it was a decent race. I, it was, I, I take it back. I think it was a great race. Um, but I think Chase Elliott, to me, had the best race car at the end. You're, you're right. Harvick had a good car. Could never get that track position. And track position is key there. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, I was very impressed with. He went to the rear uh, to change his tires. Went to the end of the lead lap, I should say. Restarted about 15th. He changed his tires. Was only the only one on lead lap to do that on that final restart. Got his way up to the ninth position. So a, a great job there by um, by Jimmy Johnson at the end of that event uh, as well to get up there. So, um, but you know, ultimately Kurt Busch and Victor Lane, he deserves it. It was a great run for him. Uh, you're right about Logano. Had a good short run car. Uh, was able to work his way up there. Uh, Eric Jones had a decent day, you know, didn't lean in the last, but was pretty good. Boyer and Blaney, you know, they seem to, to have this uh, a knack for this place here. The Fords are fast. Um, and, and there's a couple other surprises. I think Trevor Bain had a really good day in the Roush car. You know, he didn't lead any laps, was a top 10 to top 12 car. Most of the night ended up 11th. That's about where he should have been. But for what Trevor Bain's done all year and where that six car has been, uh, I thought it was a very, very good night for Trevor Bain and the Advocare Ford last night at Roush Fenway. Yeah, I think no matter what, one of those things when it comes to Trevor Bain, he always runs great at Bristol because it's his home track. I mean, he's from uh, Knoxville, Tennessee, always loves Bristol, everything that comes with it. And it's usually where he performs the best. So it was really good to see Trevor Bain have a decent run. Um, future is being speculated about, so you don't know what's going to happen there. And, I mean, one of the things you hear is a possibility for him is, go to junior motorsports next year. And I think it's a step back, but if you're not really welcomed at Roush Fenway, there's really not a, right now, there's not a whole lot of places at the end, even though there's some speculation of drivers going away, cars, teams going away, but there's still not a whole lot of room at the end. 
And for Trevor Bain, I mean, unless you're a guy who's winning races and winning championships, oh, wait a minute, that's possibly somebody who doesn't have a room at the end. And we'll talk about that later when we get into the silly season stuff. Absolutely. Another driver I was very impressed with um, all night was, was Chris Buescher in the in 37 car for JTG. He was the top 15 car all night long, stayed out, and uh, got some track position at the end of that race. Jimmy Johnson, who I thought was unusually overly aggressive at the end of that race there, split it three wide with Kyle Busch and Chris Buescher at the end of that race, and bam, uh, it, it caused Kyle Busch and Chris Buescher to, to eventually uh, blow right blow tires. Kyle Busch blew it a little bit later than, than Chris Buescher did, but uh, a a good night for Chris Buescher. Ended up, I believe, in the 19th spot, which was not where he ran all day long. Uh, yeah, he ended up 19th. Not where he ran all day long. Um, was was a top 15 car all day, so I was impressed with him as well. And then, of course, Casey Kane with his announcement earlier in the week, which we'll get to a little bit later as well. And after he's retiring from full-time competition in 20 after the 2018 season, a top 15 day for him. I think those three guys between Bain, Busher, and Casey Kane, uncharacteristically, uh, I think a lot of people, you know, they expected a top 20 run, but mo- for most of the day, those three drivers are really mixing it up with drivers they don't normally mix it up with. And Casey Kane was caught up in that early melee too, and he was driving a crunched up car. Uh, one of the things that I love about short track racing, and you heard it, for, I mean, the media kept saying it after the race, drivers kept saying it after the race, we need more short tracks. Because you look, Kyle Busch didn't have a bumper cover on the back of that car. The one fender's floating in the wind. Um, Kyle Busch's car was a freaking mess at the end of the night. And he's still out there running fast laps. I mean, him and Harvick were the two to watch coming through the field. I mean, Kyle Busch went from the back to the front three times. And his car was flying. And it wasn't because it was aerodynamically sound, because that thing was junk by the end of the night. Kurt Busch, his car wasn't picture perfectly clean because it got caught up in the first melee. Casey Kane pulled out a 15th place finish and his car was beat up throughout the night. So, I mean, as racing gets better whenever they're on short tracks for some reason, I mean, the mile and a half package, you look at it, one of the things they're looking to do, and NASCAR is trapped because they have a big agreement with all the tracks that they're going to do this for, I mean, what, four more years left on the contract, or three more years, it'll 2020, where the same tracks will be on the schedule. And one of the things they even did this year, they took away because Speedway Motorsports got a nice deal from the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Bureau. They took away a one-mile track to go to a mile and a half again. So we got another cookie-cutter track going into the playoffs. And NASCAR's plan for 2019 is go slower on those tracks. I think the idea of racing is you're supposed to go as fast as you can. And the idea of going slower to make the racing better, I don't think it works for me. I agree there. I think, uh, you know, I, I think you need to go slower through the corners, but there's certainly uh, certain ways to look at it. 917-889-8280 talking about the Bass Pro Shops NRA night race at Bristol Motor Speedway breaking that down. Um, Kurt Busch with the victory lane is his 30th career victory. 
you know, those three drivers certainly, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Trevor Payne, Chris Buescher, and Casey Kane, I thought ranked good. There were a few drivers, though, that struggled on a night. Particularly one was Denny Hamlin. He got involved in that first lap wreck with Kyle Busch, who spun. Busch had a heck of a night. He spun three times. He had three separate instances on the racetrack at Bristol. Uh, lap two, I believe it was, they – he just lost control of the 18 car, took out a lot of took out a lot of cars, a lot of drivers were involved. Uh, if you look at the first caution, it was Daniel Suarez, uh, Bubba Wallace, Jesse Little got involved, Casey King got a piece of it, as did J.J. Yaley, Matt Benedetto, Michael McDowell, A.J. Allmendinger, uh, Landon Castle, um, Timmy Hill, Martin Trex Jr. got a piece of it, Denny Hamlin did, Ryan Blaney, and Ty Dillon all got a piece of it as well. I, I think there was even some others they forgot there on that list. Um, so Bush did that. He had an incident with uh, Martin Trex Jr. where he said, quote, he misjudged the back end of Martin Trex Jr.'s car by trying to, to, to come up on him by six inches uh, there on lap uh, 433, hit the left rear of Martin Trex Jr.'s car, sent him to the inside wall, and took him out. Uh, Truex ended up, after where he's running second, Truex ended up finishing in a 30th position, a tough day for him. Um, and then he spun again, Kyle Busch, after blowing a right rear, a left, rear, left rear tire, I believe it was, on lap 483, as I mentioned, with contact with Jimmy Johnson and uh, Chris Buescher there. So it was a tough day for Kyle Busch. Um, the accident of Trix got a lot of attention and ended up, ended up with a fan going after Kyle Busch uh, in the infield. Uh, a fan came up to him and tried to what looked like bite him, got chest to chest with Kyle Busch. Bush was having none of it. Didn't get physical with him, but was holding his own and standing his ground. And before we comment on the Truex incident, I want to say this to the fans out there. You have absolute amazing access to these drivers in the Cup Series and these drivers in NASCAR. Don't ruin it. This is the second time in a year we've seen a fan go after a driver. The first one was with Denny Hamlin, a fan going after Denny Hamlin after the Chase Elliott incident where, you know, every other sport, you don't have access like that, and there's a reason for it. And fans are going to complain that, that the access is going to be taken away from, fan, from fans here in a, in a little bit. If they keep this up, you cannot go after a driver. I don't care what you think. You cannot go after a driver like that and expect that to, to be okay. So uh, I think that was ridiculous. The fans are uh, dope for doing and, uh, you know, I, I respect Kyle Busch for standing up for himself and not going over, not going crazy on him. Um, but I just don't understand, you know, what the fan was thinking. But it was a tough night for Kyle Busch. He usually dominates at this place. The lose control is very uncharacteristic of him. Uh, and then to have the, the Truex incident is very uncharacteristic of him. What do you think of Kyle Busch's night at Bristol Motor Speedway? I uh, completely agree with your comment on that, Clayton. I think there is in no way in hell does anybody have the right to come up to a driver and try to get physical with him. I hope that guy is banned from Bristol from li- for life. I hope he's banned from every NASCAR track for life. Um, that's just pure stupidity. He was probably um, adult beverage lubricated that caused something like that, but for the love of God, I love watching racing i was a true blue 100 percent tony stewart fan when he ran in the sport and tony stewart was a lightning rod there are people who were ticked off anytime stewart got involved with somebody and then there were people who were happy as hell and or booing like crazy whenever he wanted 
Kyle Busch is the ultimate lightning rod in this sport. Kyle Busch is the black hat, and he embraces it because you got to have one. There has to be somebody who's the, quote, villain. And it's not that Kyle Busch is a bad person. Kyle Busch does a heck of a lot of charity work. Kyle Busch's wife does a lot of great things. Uh, Kyle Busch is a great guy outside of putting the helmet on and or doing an interview after he loses. I want that guy. I want somebody to be pissed off when they finish second. I don't want anybody coming out of the car and say, well, we had a good point today. No, your job is to win the race. And you want to do everything you can for your sponsor, your team, and your fan base. And Kyle Busch wants to win anytime, whether he's on a tricycle, whether he's um, in the Xfinity race, truck race, doing doing a late model event with somebody. Kyle Busch is there to win. He's not there to finish 24th. He's not there to finish 38th. He's not there to finish second. Kyle Busch wants to win. And last night, it was amazing the way that team performed, as banged up and beat up as that car was. And nobody has the right to go up to somebody in the track, especially the way NASCAR sets it up. The fans have more access at a NASCAR event than you would ever dream of at any stick and ball sport. I've been a Patriots fan since I was a kid. The closest I have ever gotten to see Tom Brady was from the third deck at Gillette Stadium because you're not getting close to the field. It's not like they let us down there and have pregame where we get to line up by the driver's meeting or line up before the calisthenics and get to shake hands with all the players and everything. You don't get that in the NFL. You don't get that in baseball. Once in a while, a few people will get uh, access to batting practice in baseball, but they've cut that back. But NASCAR, you still can stand there as you go, as the drivers go to the driver's meeting, and get autographs. As the drivers are going to driver introductions, you can stand in the infield and get autographs. You can get autographs after the race if you're not a douchebag about it. But that guy's a total douchebag, and I hope he never gets into a track again. I think the True X incident. I think it was sad. I mean, the one thing that was sad, you knew it was a racing deal. It wasn't intentional. Kyle Busch misjudged coming up the track by a couple inches. And unfortunately, Martin Truex Jr. hit the inside wall. He had a hard hit there. He had a hard hit from AJ or from JJ Yaley and JJ Yaley had a pretty hard hit. And the thing is Kyle Busch right off the bat. Yep. That was my fault. He even got on the radio and said, Hey, tell the 78, I'm sorry, it wasn't, I misjudged it, my bad. My bad doesn't make you feel better, but at least you know it wasn't intentional. And when Sherry Pollux comes out on on Twitter after the the accident and says Kyle Busch is an idiot, I'm sorry, you're going, how fast? You misjudged something by a couple inches. There are people misjudged stuff by a couple inches when they're driving the regular car. The only difference is, There's no money involved. It's a sad thing the way that happened. But I mean, overall, yeah, he 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 was impressive, kind of coming from the rear with all that damage. But certainly, it was a it was a night where um, he usually dominates 
Bristol. And it was just a night where you're not used to seeing him struggle here. You know, uh, there's not, nothing where you sit there and you say, well, he's not going to be able to recover, you know, because the car had really a lot of speed, and that's a good thing. Ultimately, that's what you want. Um, but just an uncharacteristic night for him. Um, and I agree with you. I don't think he – there's no doubt in my mind he um, – he he didn't mean to take out Martin Trix. You know, stuff happens. It's a racing deal. It's racing. Stuff's going to happen. I understand uh, Cherry Pollock's on Twitter. I get that because, you know, she's all hopped up. And, and listen, and this is the truth. You know, when you saw Truex, who's a, who's a very even keel guy, doesn't get emotional much. Um, and it's something I think a lot of fans respect. And when you saw him get out of that car and kick the car the way he did yesterday, um, let me tell you, there's a lot of, uncertainty going on right now with that team. I think there's a lot of uncertainty right now at Martin Truex Jr.'s future. And I'm sure that's, that's, that's frustrating. And I think that accident last night, that kick of the door last night, wasn't just the fact that he was taken out at Bristol. I'm sure Terry Pollock's tweet last night wasn't just the fact that Martin Truex Jr. was taken out at Bristol. I think it's a combination of everything that's happened the last month here where they lose five-hour energy, there's rumors now that he's not going to be back in that 78 car. Who knows what his future is going to be? Is he even going to be with Cole Pern? All that is weighing in on, on both Jerry Pollux and Martin Truex Jr., and it was just like, God darn it. We can't have one good thing going our way here, and he's going to end up fine. I th- there's no doubt in my mind Truex is going to have a good ride next year, but he's in the best opportunity he's ever had by far in his career in a, a – situation that only drivers dream of where you find a crew chief that you get along with great and you find a team that that just works so well together and now that might be gone here in 2019 so i think that kick of the door uh from a very even keel guy who you don't see that go crazy you know show a lot of emotion much and same thing with sherry pollux you don't see going on twitter and show emotion i think it was just frustration from the whole situation of here these last couple of weeks i think that's why you saw that too it wasn't just that he was taken out of Bristol, but it was the fact that he's had a really tough last couple of months here with everything that's going on with his career. Um, also a tough day, John, last night for Denny Hamlin. I know he got involved in a lap one wreck, but so did his teammate Kyle Busch. And it's not a track that's, that's huge on aerodynamics. And, and Hamlin was a top 20 maybe car all day long. He ended up 14th, not a great day. And a guy, this is the driver I would be most concerned about. You know, and I said last week on this show, he took a step in the right direction last week by finishing second at Michigan. Well, he took a step back this week. A 16th place finisher, Brad Keselowski, he spun and caused a caution. He was nowhere near the front all day long, did not have a fast race car. I, I'm telling you, Brad Keselowski, I'm sure, and that two team have to be disappointed with their effort. You saw Ryan Blaney lead a lot of laps, had a pretty good night last night. Joey Logano finished fourth, had a real good night. That suit team was nowhere near where they needed to be. I thought it was an absolute disastrous race for Kozlowski. He had no speed in that two car. And I think of all the teams that raced last night, the most disappointed driver and team should be that two team. They just did not have it. They did not find the setup. And to spin out is not very Kozlowski-like. And to finish 16th and run, and really, they weren't even in the top 15 all day. They were a lap down. A, a very, very bad night for Brad Kozlowski in that two-car last night. Kozlowski was out to lunch all day. Um, it just was one of those it's, – it's so crazy how it is. I mean, you see a lot of these teams 
will build chassis that are identical. And you look at the Stuart Haas Racing Group, they'll put four chassis that are almost identical the way they put them together. The setups are different on each car, but there's some of them. I mean, you look, Clint Boyer, 90% of the time, runs the same setup Harvick did because whenever he was at um, RCR, that's how he learned is, okay, give me Harvick's setup and I'll learn from that. And that's how they wound up learning things but i don't get what's going on i mean blaney if you look at team penske and if look at the ford camp overall Stuart haas racing is head and shoulders the lead ford dogs penske has had great seasons joey logano's been inconsistent brad keselowski has definitely struggled and ryan blaney has been the star of the show Blaney has led more laps than Logano and Keselowski combined, I think, this year. And Blaney just, there's times they haven't been able to finish it off where they get two-thirds of the way through, and then something happens. I mean, you look early in this race, Blaney was a stud. And he said at the end of the night, he said when the when the track got cooler and rubbered in, um, they kind of lost it. They made a decent comeback, but um, he said whenever – the track got colder and rubbered in Blaney could Blaney's team could not find it from there. I mean, heck they, they were great in the first stage of the race, but then as it, as the race went on and the track got cooler and the rubber went in, Blaney was out the lunch. And it's one of those things. I don't know why, but team Penske gets the same engines as Stuart Haas. They have a lot of great people. They have a championship crew chief in Paul Wolf. Um, Jeremy Bullins is no chump with Blaney. And, um, Logano's crew chief, I'm forgetting his name right now, but I mean, he's really good. So you've got three really good teams that just can't seem to put together a complete race right now. Yes. Um, I, I agree. I, Team Penske, for whatever reason, they just have not been where they needed to be this year. And, and I thought Kozlowski last night, a track he normally runs pretty good at. Um, I, I just, I was shocked. I was, I was shocked. I'm going what's going on with that two car? And it just, I thought, well, the race started an hour earlier because of the weather and it started more in the daytime. And I think it threw a lot of people off. It threw a lot of teams off a little bit. I think that was part of the reason why Kyle got loose early on in that event because they were set up for the night. And when that track cooled off and, and the sun went down, Kyle took off. So it's very possible. Um, and maybe, and I thought early in the race, well, Kozlowski, okay, maybe they're not hitting on a setup because they're, they're, you know, set up for the night, and once the track cools down a little bit and it'll start to come to them, well, they were off. I mean, they just they didn't – they never found it. And I think that's the scary part of this whole situation for them is they never found it. And, um, you know, the good thing for him and that team is we don't have a Bristol a track like Bristol again the rest of the year. We don't have a track in the playoffs for that. Um, so that's a positive for him because – the mile and a half are a completely different animal, and we have five, four, five of them in the playoffs. And then, of course, the Charlotte Roble and then Martinsville. So and they're all completely different racetracks than, than Bristol was. Um, but not a very good day for Brad Keselowski, for sure. 917-889-8280 here, Talking Circles. Clayton Cottle, John Harlow here with you tonight on Talking Circles. Uh, final thoughts, John, on the cup race before we move to uh, – we look at 
quick look at the playoff grid. You know, there's two races to go until the playoffs. We have Darlington in a couple of weeks, and then Indianapolis before we start the playoffs. Uh, but final word in last night's race, what did you think of the racing? I mean, I, I thought the racing was good. Um, how about those double file restarts? A lot of people looking at it and saying, well, double file restarts were a an issue last night um, because the bottom lane was such a problem. How about the choose rule? That was something that a lot of conversations where drivers can choose where they want to restart. For example, if I'm in sixth, you know, I could choose the bottom, be the first in the bottom lane because that might be able that might be able to gain me a couple of spots. But if I'm fifth, I might be able to choose fifth line up top. What about that rule, John? Would you think that's something cool to do? Or and should NASCAR look at these double final restarts on some of these racetracks where one lane is just so much more dominant than the other? I think NASCAR and Goodyear and all those guys need to find a way to, I don't know if it's a choose rule that works, but there's got to be a way to make it so one lane isn't just completely locked in for the restart. I mean, if, like you said, if they spray the sticky stuff on the bottom lane coming down the front stretch, maybe you have some grip coming out. Whenever instead of, I mean, you look how many times the last two restarts, Boyer spun his tires so bad that he couldn't get anywhere. And part of it, yeah, he was on 20 lap older tires and everybody else, but still, you shouldn't, I mean, he's got them cleaned off and everything. The lane was just so, um, nobody was ever there. There was no, so there's got to be some way somehow that NASCAR finds a way to at least make the restart zone or something like that where they put the ultimate stick down there, something to get them to be able to go because you shouldn't be penalized for being second. You shouldn't have to worry about whether or not you're coming off pit road and hitting the brakes and trying to make sure you're getting the, getting fourth coming out instead of third. It's just crazy that it ends up being that way. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it's something that certainly certainly should be discussed. I mean, I think, again, I think Denny Hamlin brought it up, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. as well. He's another interesting character from last night, John, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., where he had a, a lot of people felt he had to win that race. Um, had a couple of this incidences and ended up in the 24th spot for him. So uh, a tough day for Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Two races to go, Darlington and, um, as I said, Indianapolis. Indianapolis is going to be a little bit of a game changer because of the fact that they run restrictor plates there. So, uh, we'll see. You know, we'll see what goes on there. But um, Stenhouse, I absolutely think, is going to have to win. I think pretty much everybody outside uh, the playoff grid right now is going to have to win. Uh, Stenhouse right now is 79 points behind Bowman. Ryan Newman is 12 points behind Stenhouse. Daniel Suarez is in a great day again last night. He's uh, two points behind Newman. So they're all sort of in, in the same little group there, um, very close to each other. Newman, Suarez, even Austin, Dill- well, Austin Dillon's in the playoffs. Uh, and then you got Paul Menards behind Suarez a little bit. They're all sort of in the same group there, um, but they're they're all very far back from Alex Bowman. So uh, those guys are going to have to win to get into the playoffs there. With the Senhouses, the Newmans, the Suarez, and the Menards there, John, even the William Byrons, if um, if they want to make the playoffs and continue going on here uh, and, and continue to run for the championship here in 2018. And speaking of William Byron, if there was somebody who was out to lunch all day yesterday, all he was was getting lapped every time you turned around. He said he said after the race, he said, we had something go, on, go wrong early on. We're just off the whole time. 
and they were disappointed. They were hoping to have a good day, but something went wrong, and Hendrick Motorsports will figure it out. I mean, Bowman finished eighth, Johnson finished ninth, but they weren't eighth and ninth place cars all day. I mean, you think about the attrition there. Take out Truex, take out Kyle Busch, take out Chris Busher, um, take out Harvick from being lapsed down. That was maybe a 15th place car. They salvaged a eighth and ninth place finish out of it. But what is, other than Chase Elliott, again, it wasn't really a good night for Hendrick Motorsports. No, it wasn't. Chase certainly was the uh, the top guy. I thought Jimmy ran pretty good at times. He he found himself in decent track position, at least within the top. Um, probably would have ended up a little bit better than ninth had Chad not made him come down and change those tires there at the end. Uh, but he did, and on fresher tires, he was able to pick his way through the field and get to ninth. So not a terrible day for Jimmy Johnson. Bowman did okay. He finished fifth here in the spring, eighth here tonight, uh, last night there at Bristol. So he had a pretty good year at Bristol Motor Speedway. No doubt Hendricks behind, um, but not a horrible day for sure. But I, I agree with you on Byron. I don't know what happened to him. He was um, they were they were bad all night long. You know, he's a rookie and he's learning these tracks for the first time and. Uh, Darren Grubb hasn't been on a pit box in a couple of years, so he may not know how these cars react yet um, to, to some of these racetracks, but not a great night at all for that 24 car. I agree with you. Food City 300 NASCAR Xfinity Series event from the Bristol Motor Speedway was ran on Friday night. Kyle Larson and the Series of the Year. Chris Rebell was second. Justin Allgaier was third. Cole Custer was fourth. Joey Logano was fifth, and it was Elliott Sadler. Michael Annette with his first top ten of the year in seventh. Chase Elliott, Tyler Reddick, and Matt Tift rounded out the top ten there in the Xfinity Series. Larson led 202 laps. Um, the the other, only other car that was really dominant all day was Kyle Busch. He led 69 laps. But Kyle, as I mentioned earlier, um, had an incident where um, he was pretty much had up to 11th lap. I mean, he was destroying the field, had a five-second lead, looked like he was just going to run away with it. It was going to be another Kyle Busch show in the Xfinity Series. Um, got up in the, in the marbles, hit the outside wall, and then a turn later, blew right front and hit the outside wall for good. Took him out of the event. He ended up in the 36th spot. Um, but what were your thoughts on the Xfinity Series race, John? Food City 300 from Bristol. Um, again, I, I wonder what it would be like if they – the more they keep the cup guys out of the Xfinity series. I mean, you look, it was Larson and Kyle Busch. That's all it was pretty much. Um, Larson, 202 of the 300 laps. Kyle Busch led 60 something of the 300 laps. And the only thing it, the only thing that stopped Kyle Busch was Kyle Busch. Okay. Like got in the marbles, got the wall a little bit, and that caused him to cut a tire down and he was out for the day. That was probably the biggest surprise for me of the race. Cause Kyle Busch, I mean, how often do you see him wreck twice in the same weekend? Usually you're talking getting the broom out with Kyle Busch at Bristol and he didn't do anything all weekend long. And I mean, he, he made a hell of a lot of noise in the cup race, but I mean, he was, he had his, he had a good run going early and then boom, he's gone. And that's not Kyle Busch at Bristol. Um, other than that, I mean, it's your typical, your other guys, fighting for second through 10th because they weren't Kyle Larson or Kyle Bush. And that's typically how your Xfinity races are going when either of those two are running. That's true. That's true. And, and uh, it was a pretty dominant day. You look at the points for the Xfinity series. Um, Christopher Bell 
leads. He's got four wins this year, four stage wins. He's got 24 playoff points. They got three races to go for the playoffs. They run Road America this week as the Cup Series has off. They run Road America, then they run Darlington and Indianapolis with the Cup Series, two companion events before they get to the playoffs in Las Vegas to start their playoffs. Justin Allgaier, second in points. Then it's Elliot Sadler, Cole Custer, Daniel Hemrick, Tyler Reddick, Brandon Jones, Ryan Truex, Austin Sindrick, Ryan Reed, Ross Chastain is your final driver um, right now in the 12th. And 13th is Michael Annette. He's 42 points back right now. Uh, 63 points back is Ryan Segan, 15th. Um, those two guys have an outside chance of pointing their way in just because you never know what will happen on a road course. Maybe Chastain gets pushed off course. He's got a driver mad at him. Uh, and Joey Gase, who last road course, he, he made Joey Gase mad. And, and Gase basically said, you know, we're going to make him pay for that. So something that could happen through Chastain is what I'm saying. And it would put those guys right back in the hunt. But barring a major incident, those are the 12 that are going to be running um, for the playoffs there. Uh, and just something to keep an eye on. Bill Elliott makes his return to Road America this weekend. That's something I, I know a lot of fans are looking forward to, including myself. Uh, this weekend at Road America. So um, two road races this weekend as Truck Series moves to, goes to Canadian Tire Motorsport Park in Canada. Uh, but they ran the Truck Series ran the UNOH 200 at Bristol Motor Speedway. This was a Thursday night event on Fox. Johnny Sauter was your winner. Stuart Friesian was second. John Hunter Nemechek, a heartbreaker, uh, led 104 laps, was leading with until, until about three to go when they had a problem. Uh, I think a sway bar issue on the eight truck. He was able to salvage his third place run, but was going to victory lane, had it in the bag uh, until that happened. Parker Kligerman was fourth. Todd Goland, the youngster, was fifth. Then it was Justin Haley, Ben Rhodes, Matt Crafton, Noah Gregson, and Grant Enfinger in tenth. Uh, that was their final regular season race. Uh, a heartbreaker, no doubt, for John Hunter Nemechek. A good day for Stuart Friesian, who just keeps finishing second. I think it's the fourth time he's finished second this this year uh, in the truck series. So Johnny Sauter goes to victory lane. Another win for Sauter, who's, uh, I think, a favorite to win this championship here as they get ready to go. They start their playoffs this weekend at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, John. But what were your thoughts at, on the UNOH 200 at Bristol on Thursday night? Well, I think, first of all, the big news was not on the track. I think the big news was the truck series was on the big network and everybody's talking about ratings being down and all the things that come with it. Fox put the truck series on big Fox, the network Thursday night in prime time. And it's the first race in the truck series to have more than a million viewers since Martinsville in April. Guess where that was. That was on the big network. And I think they had a million, it said they had a million 319,000 viewers between 10 and 10, 15 at the end of the race on Thursday night. That's an impressive number. It shows the trucks. People like watching the trucks. It's a good, it's a good series. There's a lot of good racing in there and Fox put it on the big, the big network and they wound up doing well with it. And I think it's impressive that, Fox wound up doing something like that and it got the exposure the truck series needs because they probably get on FS1 probably what quarter million half million views a week and they wonder why ratings are down they keep putting them on the cable networks that people have to look to find because they're trying to build up their cable audience which is good for the net good for Fox but it's bad for the sport 
Oh, I agree. I, I think it was awesome that the trucks were on Fox. I mean, we see them on Fox a few times. I believe Martinsville's short track race on, uh, for the truck series was on Fox a couple of times in the past, but never a prime time event uh, on a Thursday night, which I thought was, was a home run for the truck series. Uh, and a great race they got on it. 917-889-8280. Talking to Circles Clinton. Called all John Harlow here with you. But, yeah, a great race. And John Hunter Nemechek, you feel bad for him. DAB Construction Chevrolet uh, was, was really dominating the event at the end. Led 104 laps, had a part break. Um, a tough night for him. But a couple of shout-outs. First of all, Parker Kligerman. Um, Charlie Henderson. Henderson Motorsports team has been around forever. They were in the Xfinity Series in the 90s. Um, and... and Rick Wilson won a bunch of races there, even in the 80s, I believe, for him. So, so that team is a veteran team. They only run a partial schedule, but a great run for Clickham. We usually run pretty good on the, on the super speedways, and that's no surprise. But to come out to Bristol, qualify sixth, and run in the top five pretty much all night, and to finish fourth, that's a heck of a day. And I want to give another shout-out to a guy who does great in the Xfinity Series, running a one-off race in the Truck Series for Nice Motorsports, and finished 12th, was in the top 10 for most of the night. Ross Chastain, a great night for him as well in the truck series. Um, those two guys in particular stood out to me as guys who, um, with, with underfunded race teams or teams that, um, you, you know, running a partial schedule to go out there and run as good as they did. I was very impressed with those two on, on Thursday night. I really think Parker Klingman, Klingerman's always gotten a screw job when it comes to a lot of how this works. He was a development driver at Penske and just, never got the break that was necessary. He tried to move up and there was no, he was always in an underfunded ride and then the sponsorship or something. I mean, when he drives that 75 truck, it goes and he does well with it. And he just has never really gotten the chance. And now more, more often than not, he's working for NBCSN as a commentator and Parker Klingerman's too good of a driver to be doing something like that. I mean, again, it's one of those things where we keep running into. It's a matter of car owners are looking at who do we want, driver who's going to win, driver who's going to do well, or driver who brings sponsorship to the table. And as we said earlier tonight, we talked about the Kurt Busch getting Danica's leftovers twice and turning it into winners. And Danica brought sponsorship to the table, and Danica had a ride. And now Danica's gone because she doesn't have sponsorship, and who really notices? Parker Klingerman's one of those guys that if he could get sponsorship, he would be doing great. I think he's a solid driver. I think he is, I mean, I think he's better than Michael Annette. Michael Annette's got a junior motorsports ride. Why? Michael Annette brings Pilot Flying J with him. Um, there's a lot of drivers out there who are bringing – that brings sponsorship with them. I mean, you look at Trevor Bain, he's had a, a year that he struggled. And the reason he kept that ride as long as he did is because he's got Avocare on the side of the car. The sponsorship is tied to the driver. It used to be where the driver, I mean, teams would get drivers and find sponsors on their own. Now it's a matter of we'll hire you as a driver. If you bring the sponsorship, what happened to the team being responsible for that stuff? Yeah, for sure. I understand what you're saying completely. Uh, you know, that's racing here in 2018, something we're going to get to um, even more when we talk about the silly season. But um, here are the race-seeded uh, points for the truck series as they get ready. As they said, their first race 
um, in the playoffs this year. They're up in Canada. Johnny Sauter, Brett Moffitt, then it's Noah Gregson, then it's Ben Rhodes, Stuart Friesen, Grant Enfinger, Justin Haley, Matt Crafton. Those are the top eight drivers to make the playoffs in the truck series. Uh, Moffitt is behind 15 points from Sauter. Grayson's back 20 points. Rhodes back 28. Friesen 30. Enfinger 31. Haley 33. Crafton 39. You know, it's been a great year for Sauter. GMS Racing, uh, he's one of two GMS trucks to be in the playoffs with Justin Haley. If you want to count Friesian, who's got a real tech, strong technical alliance with them as well, that's three GMS trucks. Um, a couple of guy, notable teams that missed it, Crafton, or excuse me, uh, Matt Meitznetter at Thorsport, Dalton Sargent at GMS, and Cody Coughlin at GMS as well, Todd Gilland at KBM, but he also missed a couple of races there in the beginning of the year. Um, so those those are a couple of notables that missed it. But of the eight that made it, John, uh, who do you think – give me a, a guy who your pick is to win the championship, and then give me a dark horse you think might win the championship here um, for the truck series. The guy who I hope to win it, and he's my guy who has a chance to win it, but he's also a dark horse because of the funding of the team, is Brett Moffitt. Brett Moffitt has done more with less in year this year than anybody in that truck series. Four wins, and they were debating on whether or not they were going to be able to finish the season. And he's got four wins. I mean, the only two with any wins, I mean, you look, it's Sauter with five, Moffitt with four, and Ben Rhodes, Justin Haley, and Noah Gregson are the only other ones in the playoffs with a win. I think Brett Moffitt is our sleeper, but he also has a legitimate chance of winning the, winning the championship. The other sleeper I have is Matt Crafton. And I think it's taken GM, I mean, it's taken Thorsport a while to get caught up because of the very, very late change from Toyota to Ford. And I think they're still playing catch up, but Crafton's there. And if Matt Crafton's there, Matt Crafton has a shot. Yeah, it's uh, and it's a unique uh, start to the year. I don't remember. I don't think um, Canada was in the playoffs last year for this for this series. So it's very unique that they will be in the playoff starting the playoffs there at a road course. Um, they're going to be running Las Vegas as well. So so you got to be on your game here in the Truck Series playoffs from the beginning, um, and that's going to really change a lot of things. Johnny Sauter, not a great uh, dirt racer we saw in Eldora, not a great road course racer. So we'll see who takes the ranks here up and on Saturday. Excuse me, Sunday it is that race. On Sunday afternoon at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park uh, for the Camping World Truck Series. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch that as they start their series. Real quick, John, before we move on to the silly season, I want to get this out of the way. Uh, if you are familiar with today's ACB, ABC Supply 500 at Pocono Raceway, the, NASCAR, uh, the Verizon IndyCar race, there was a scary accident on, on lap six, including Robert Wickens who was airlifted out of Pocono Raceway today. Um, there is an update on his condition. Uh, he, was, he is being treated for injuries to his lower extremities, right arm, and spine. He also sustained a pulmonary contusion. He will undergo an MRI and probable surgery at Lehigh Valley Hospital Cedar Crest uh, here shortly. So uh, our thoughts are with Robert Rickens. Um, it looked very grim early. There wasn't a lot of information, but um, he's alert. Uh, it sounds like he's he's going to be injured, but could have been a lot worse with how scary that accident was. So we're thinking about Robert Wickens. Just wanted to get that out of the way here on um, Talking Circles tonight. 
um, as, as scary accident. Alexander Rossi went to victory lane in that race. Will Power was second. Scott Dixon uh, third for the ABC Supply 500 today at Pocono Raceway. Um, okay, silly season, John. A couple of, of news things have come out since we've last been on air. One is Casey Kane. Um, he announced he will step away from full time his full-time deal um, had some options, did not talk to Stuart Haas racing about going to a deal. They, they, they reached out to him after Kurt Busch left. He did not want to chat with the, with that team about returning to a full-time deal with Stuart Haas racing, uh, told Bob Levine, Hey, I don't want to be with this team next year. Stepping away from, from stock car racing altogether. It's going to run about 40 to 50 sprint car races next year. Kane's a guy who, man, when he got to get, I've said this about him numerous times. When he got to Hendrick, I thought, man, he's going to win a lot of races there. That was a great move. They signed him a year early, if you remember. Uh, he had to spend a year Red Bull because, you know, he was out of his ride a year early, and they didn't really have anything for him. Did well at Red Bull Racing. Um, went to Hendrick, had a really good first year, but struggled every year since. Struggled bad this year on the 95 team. Uh, they just had a real tough year. But what are your thoughts on Casey Keene, John, leaving uh, the Cup Series full-time? I think um, it's probably the right move on his part. He said it himself. He hasn't been competitive the last two years at Hendrick Motorsports and this year at Levine Family Racing. Um, he said all the right things when he came to Levine Family Racing. He said, uh, I came here to help build something. I he- came here to help make them better. And Bob Levine said good things about him. I mean, Bob Levine even said, I had a two-year contract on the table with him because Casey wanted a two-year contract and he had the two-year contract on his desk. And then Casey said, um, no, nah, I'm, I'm just going to step away. Casey's got a two-year-old kid. And one of the things he's 38 years old and this schedule is grueling. You start mid February or early February because they get to the, they do the, uh, the shootout, the 150s qualifying, and the Daytona 500, and you don't end till the week before Thanksgiving. And you get a couple, two, what, three, four weeks off during the year, but not much. And it is pressure-packed. You have your competition meetings on Tuesday, uh, Thursday, getting everything ready to go, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the circus comes to town. You're on the go all, excuse me, all year long. And most of the time you get paid well for it. But as you and I have talked over the past couple months and actually the past couple years about it, driver salaries are going down. And Casey Kane's not going to be making multi-million dollars on this contract that would have been coming up. And he's done well in his life. He's probably put some stuff away. Why get out there and race for 20th when you're used to running toward the front? I mean, Casey Kane in that nine car for Ray Evernham was something to watch. Casey Kane was Kyle. If you wanted somebody clean off the top groove, it was Casey Kane and Dale Jr. And now it's Kyle Larson doing it. I think it's a smart move on Casey Kane's part. He can go run his dirt races, and he loves running sprint cars. That's what he came up doing. And now he can come back. He's got enough money to live the rest of his life comfortably. And he can go run whatever he wants, when he wants, and have nothing holding him back. So he's had a good career, but his career has sort of uh, gone into neutral, a little bit of reverse over the last two and a half years. 
I don't blame him from walking away this walking away from the sport instead of fighting for twentieth, twenty fifth. You don't want to be remembered for that. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. Talking circles. Clayton Caldwell, John Harlow here with you, talking about Casey Kane and the other silly season news here coming up. Uh, and there's going to be a, apparently an earth-shattering news piece of news here in the next couple of week, a week or two here. I think we're going to see a lot of news, by the way, with this off, off weekend coming up. Also, we got the bid of BK Racing coming up on Tuesday as well. But um, let me chime in on the Casey Kane deal here. I don't think it has anything to do with. The grueling schedule. He's going to run a lot of sprint car races next year. That schedule can be grueling at times as well. Um, you know, his kid, I know he wants to spend time with his kid, and maybe he can take him on a road and stuff like that. He's got his own race team. Yeah, probably, maybe. But I think it's got more to do with the fact that you hit the nail on the head with these driver salaries. He's getting his Hendrick Motorsports contract this year, um, or I don't even know if he would have ran this year. He's getting his Hendrick Motorsports contract this year. Hendrick's paying for it. And I think the reason why Kurt Busch stepped away from the from the 41 car was because he did not like what the amount of money they were offering. And that, these drivers talk. I'm sure they got a group text, all of them. They're in the driver's council, and they're saying, this is what they're offering me for the 41 car. That's why Casey Kane didn't want to entertain the 41 because he sat there and said, the salary is nowhere near what I would want to race for. I can make more money, just as much money, and have a lot more fun running in the sprint cars. With the package next year, the rule package, I think that's got something to do with it as well, where these drivers are saying, I'm not nearly as valuable. I'm not going to have as much input into the car next year. So why am I going to even run the Cup Series? It's pointless. For Casey, he's got an option to where he can go out and run the dirt car. I think that's um, certainly got a lot – certainly a big thing to it where he can run the dirt car and do a lot of um, do a lot of great things. Um, so I think that from the standpoint of – um, you know, him uh, running his dirt car and the fact that he's not going to get ne- paid nearly as much, I think that is what um, is making him ultimately step away. Struggles have hurt him, no doubt about it. I think when you when you think about Casey Kane, and John, you were right when you talked about it earlier, that nine car and him with Hendrick Motorsports, uh, he, excuse me, that nine car with Everham Motorsports, I should say, he was terrific. Um and I thought he was he was he was great um, in that nine car. You're right. He was took over for Bill Elliott, and when he took over for Bill Elliott, it was a um, it was a tough shoes to fill. Bill had a really good year in that 03, 03, um and he did a great job. Won his first race in '06. Casey was really good in that car. Um, so yeah, it's kind of sad when you look at it that way. You say, hey, here's a guy who's still young in his career. Um, and stepping away from the sport. So, um, but you know, I think it, it's a trend we're going to see. You know, a lot of people think Kurt Busch's final year uh, in the Cup Series is going to be next year as well, no matter where he drives. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, who else retires and steps away from the sport here coming up in ne- in the next couple of years. Um, we had that one. We had Elliot Sadler too, John, announcing his retirement uh, from full-time Xfinity Series. That really wasn't a surprise. We knew he was kind of up in the air for next year because of sponsorship. One main is pulling their NASCAR support away. Um, and so that wasn't really a surprise as Elliot Sadler was retiring because, like I said, his sponsorship is gone. Uh, but what are your thoughts on Elliot Sadler's retirement as well? Well, one of the things with Elliot Sadler, I got to give him credit for. He decided to go back down to the Xfinity Series. Even though he was a decent driver, um, he did okay for the Wood Brothers. He did decent for Robert Yates. When he went to Everham Motorsports, it just wasn't there. And he had a chance to be 
a mid-pack guy in the Cup Series, or he can go back down to the Xfinity Series and try to run for championships. And if you look at his Xfinity career toward the end, he was basically a hired gun. He did, what, a year or so at Gibbs? He did a year or so at uh, Roush Fenway. And then he went to Junior Motorsports for the last, what, four or five years. But he hit his time at every big team there was possible in the Xfinity Series. And he's been close, but he hasn't come up with a championship yet. And he's hoping like hell that this is the last year. And in his last year, he has a chance to win a championship. And um, one of the good guys in the sport, you always saw a smile on his face. Every now and then he gets a little cranky when somebody races him when he doesn't think, think they should be racing. But, I mean, they call it racing. They're not there to say, okay, wait till the last 50 laps and then race. Race for the 400, 300 miles that you're going to race. But I think he's had a decent career, but it's time for Elliot to hang it up. Yeah. Um, I, again, I don't think that was any surprise, you know, uh, with the, with his sponsorship uh, situation up in the air. Um, yeah, but there's other news here. There's other rumors here floating around, a lot of stuff going around here. One is Martin Truck's future. People where he said, I'm open to entertaining other rides for 2019, where it looked like he was going to come back. Um, some earth-shattering news as well, rumor is. Um, as far as Truex's future, John, you know, again, I talked about it earlier. I think it's starting to get to that team. They even mentioned it on NBC uh, as far as um, NBC before the race where they said, listen, this 78 team is starting to show signs of weakness. Um, you know, you're starting to see that team pull away, uh, and the other two teams really pull away. Um, and and that's that's tough. When you look at it from that standpoint, you say, um, you know, they're a championship team, they're a championship caliber team, but to have this hanging over their heads, to have the, the future of the organization, Cole Pern's future, Mark Trex Jr.'s future up in the air for 2019, I think it's a, a very, very vulnerable, vulnerable situation there for uh, furniture racing, and who knows what the future is. There's a lot of rumors that maybe you're going to move Suarez out of that 19 car, put Truex in the 19 car, whether or not Cole Pern goes with him remains to be seen. Um, but, listen, there's a lot of question marks still about Ronnie Martin Truex Jr.'s 2019 season, John, and I think it's starting to affect his 2018 season, no doubt about it. I think some of it is. I think uh, you saw the frustration after the race of him kicking the car. Um, Martin Truex is one of those guys. He's loyal to all hell. Um, he stayed with uh, DEI after Junior left because of the loyalty to Teresa because Teresa and Dale Jr. gave him a shot. Uh, he stayed with Barney Visser. He's had chances to leave after um, after getting there, but he stayed with Barney Visser and Furniture Row because when Sherry got sick with cancer and Truex was struggling, Barney said, hey, your ride is here. If you want to be with your girlfriend while she's going through cancer treatment, you have a ride when you come back. And that's where Truex is loyal to. But um, I think he sees the writing on the wall that either the sponsorship has to show up in the next week or two to fund the other half of the race, other half of the season, because Barney Visser isn't put, putting it out of his pocket anymore. And I don't blame him. He's done it for 15, 20 years. I don't blame him for not shelling it out of his pocket. But with Truex, um, you've got a great driver. But the thing is, Truex didn't really become Truex until he got Cole Pern with him. I don't, it's one of those things. Like if you have Zippy and Tony Stewart, if you have Mark Martin and 
um, Jimmy Fennig. You have Jeff Gordon, Ray Everham. You've got a crew chief and a driver who work phenomenal together, and you split them up, you're not the same. And you look, Jeff Gordon, even though he won a ton of races throughout his career, Jeff Gordon wasn't the same Jeff Gordon when Ray Everham wasn't on the box. And Mark Martin wasn't the same after uh, Jimmy Fennig wound up leaving that team. And Tony Stewart wasn't the same after he switched his, after he left Joe Gibbs Racing and Zippy didn't come with him. So you got to look at Martin Truex has to realize I wasn't who I am without Cole Pern. He's a good driver. He's always been respectable, but he hasn't been the same without Cole Pern. No doubt about it. And I think that's ultimately his plan here for 2019 is to keep um, that team to try and keep Cole Pern and him intact. And we're going to see, I think, again, by the time we get to Darlington on Labor Day weekend, we're going to have a lot of this sorted out and figured out. BK Racing, that's something else to keep an eye on. Their charter's up for bid here uh, on Tuesday. Uh, Bob Jenkins from, from Motorsports and Ron Devine is also going to put a bid uh, to try and rebid his, get his charter back uh, with a different group of investors. That should be very NASCAR proves that. Uh, so something to keep an eye on here as we move forward here on Talking Circles. I want to thank everybody for listening to Talking Circles. We'll see you next week um, after the races at Road America in Canada. Good night, everybody.